0: Hey, this is Ozra Chow from Supernatural, and you're listening to Thinking Outside the Long Box.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to this interview episode of Thinking Outside the Long Box. As always, I am Gabe, and today we are going to be talking with Emily Swallow. Uh, You may remember her as Amara from Supernatural, and uh, you may not remember her, but she also was the armorer in Mandalorian, like a super memorable character, but we didn't get to see her face. (laughs) Uh, Emily, how are you doing today? (laughs) Hi,
0: I'm doing great. Good to to
1: be here talking to you. Well, thanks for being on the show today. You know, we we just spent four episodes talking about the full run of Supernatural uh, since it wrapped up this year. And, you know, so we've been reaching out and, you know, thankfully we have the opportunity to talk to you. So uh, I guess the first thing that I would like to ask about is, you know, as the Amara character, you know, you're kind of the the dark half of, of Chuck, of the God character. What was it like reading the script and kind of starting to dive into being like the dark half of a deity?
0: Definitely unlike anything I've ever worked on. Um, but what what I really loved about it from the start um, was that even though on paper she was supposed to be the darkness, you know, the, the dark half to the light, her struggle as I think it was laid out was just so relatable and so human I mean at the end of the day she was just somebody who felt wronged and she felt betrayed by the the being who was supposed to be like her closest ally and she felt isolated and lonely and misunderstood and I found all those things so easy to grasp um much easier to to grasp onto than you know trying to trying to fathom how it would feel to be a supernatural being. So I really appreciated all those aspects of her character development. And then it made sense to me why she would act the way she did and why she didn't process those feelings in the healthiest way and oftentimes did uh, bring darkness. But, um, I also really enjoyed how that sort of got turned on its head this last season. And, and what we thought we knew about dark and light definitely got, uh, got very gray.
1: (laughs) Right. So, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with like these big concepts of like, you know, supernatural entities and being like effectively the second half of creation, was there, was there anything that, you know, either you leaned on to like, kind of Touch on those big supernatural ideas, or like anything that the the writers or creators like you know encouraged you to like read or or think about while you were doing the character.
0: No, there wasn't anything specific that they they told me to look at, and I sort of had to start on a much smaller level with the things I was just talking about, and then go from there. And part of it, to be honest, was just being able to trust that. You know, the, the first the first few episodes that I had to shoot where I was supposed to hold out my hand and I was told that some uh, special effect would you know be coming out of it and it would look really cool. When you're shooting that, you feel ridiculous. <laughs> so I decided to really keep it simple for her. It felt like the more stillness she had, the more we kind of didn't know what was going on with her and the more she just sort of watched and observed the more the audience would be able to fill in the blanks, I think, I think it was definitely a case where less is more. And I think that a lot of her power at the beginning sort of came from not quite knowing where, where she was going to direct her focus next, where, you know, she was on this quest to find Chuck, but there were a lot of things along the way that caught her attention and I think a lot of the mystery lent itself to then allowing the audience to imagine something bigger than I felt as, you know, me just trying to fill these shoes. And I think that the writing really helped it too. Rob and I, when we were sort of rehearsing on our own for the episode where we finally have this big confrontation, I mean, it felt Greek in, in size. It felt like it was this this meeting of these gods like you would read about in a, uh, in mythology or in there, are, I, I definitely looked at um different archetypes of, of darker beings and, and, you know, yin and yang and, and tried to find in various cultures, what this idea of darkness is and what that stands for. And in, in sort of digging in my imagination to expand the idea of darkness and to embrace the idea that because we all have light, we also all have darkness and exploring what it would be like to sort of walk alongside that instead of constantly trying to stifle it. I think that that helped fill it out too. So it was sort of, it it was a lot of, lot of different things on a, on a minute level. It was just things that I could relate to in my life in terms of the relationship and then sort of building out from there by thinking about other stories i mean one of the things that i think is so incredible about supernatural is that it has created its own mythology and so it sort of borrows from different traditions and different supernatural beings and it's all it's all just stories that it's pulling in and kind of expanding for its own for its own use to create new stories so in drawing from stories that i think are sort of in our collective consciousness that was also a way that was, uh, that helped me in thinking about it. And then I just kind of had to trust that that would translate and that it feels like it did.
1: It, It did. Like it's, it's really interesting. You know, I, I've read a lot on like Gnosticism, which is like a, this very, you know, kind of proto Christian idea. And a lot of what it's based around is this idea that like our universe was made in error because like. Mm. That God was supposed to create things with like his other half, and he just didn't <laughs> he just went out on his own and did it, so it was really interesting that that that's effectively the plot of of like those last two wow. episodes that this you're is in the first
0: time I've heard of that so you're it, teaching me
1: that's really cool <laughs> that's it's it as I was watching, it, I was like, oh my gosh, they did something I've read about <laughs> it was really it was really awesome, so it's pretty smart. <laughs> when, you know, when you finally, you know, got to come back to the show and kind of have this this wrap-up where, you know, you get to finally confront Chuck and, like, you guys kind of come together, did that feel, like, extremely, like, cathartic in its finality? Or was that, you know, more bittersweet than anything?
0: It was definitely bittersweet because I feel like, ultimately, I loved the evolving of of Amara's character and how much she was willing to get involved. Because in season 11, we saw her, we saw her really just looking out for, she was trying to get explanations and trying to um, turn around some of the wrongs that she felt had been, had been carried out against her. And then ultimately what stopped her from allowing all of creation to be destroyed was, was Dean recognizing that what she wanted was, connection with her brother and so you know she was she was pretty self-centered and fortunately that decision allowed everything to live but I think that she's in an even more difficult position in season 15 because now she's tried this out with Chuck and uh you know we like to imagine that they went to some family counseling and they (laughs) they were like lying on couches with their you know head-to-head And clearly that did not work out in any happy ending sort of way. It sort of reinforced that these two people beings really can't get along for very long. And so then the question I think was, even though there was nothing major for Amara to gain by getting involved, she chose to. And we saw her at the beginning of the season, um, just kind of spinning her reels in Reno, basically avoiding anything that would put her in a vulnerable position and just sort of enjoying all these new toys that she was playing with on earth. And then I think ultimately she does, she continued to have a great, a great feeling of, of obligation and connection with Dean. I think that that connection was something that would never go away. And I think that that was a large part of why she decided to try to talk some sense into Chuck. And so it was particularly heartbreaking to me to find out that Dean was lying to her. And I think that that moment where she finds out that he lied and there's really no hope in getting Chuck to go along with what she thinks would be the best ending. I think she just sort of, she's sort of waving the white flag. I mean, it's, she doesn't have hope anywhere else. So all that she can hope for is that there will be something good that comes from wiping the slate clean with him. But yeah, it was sort of, I was so thrilled to be back for that last season, but I would have loved a more triumphant ending for her. And it is nice to know that since Chuck ultimately did get defeated, I think that she's now a part of Jack, and that's probably a much more pathetic relationship than she was having with Chuck.
1: Yeah, he Jack seems like a significantly nicer guy than Chuck, you know yeah. in the character sense, I'm sure as regular human beings, they're both great people. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So, you know there's there's this moment where where you and chuck are having a conversation and you you say to him like i guess it i guess you're the villain in this story and he says to you Mm -hmm. villains always get the best lines what were some of your favorite uh lines that you had like in those moments that you were a villain
0: oh man i just i loved a lot of the dry humor that they gave amara and I, I honestly, I can't really think of specific lines right now, but I love, that, I love that in every situation it sort of felt like she could undercut what anyone else was saying. And I, I, love, I love her dialogue um, at the beginning of season 11 where she was really just questioning all of these things that these other characters were taking for granted about God, what they thought they knew. And she was asking just very straightforward questions about it nobody quite knew what to make of her. And then in this season, I, I guess I remember, I remember one exchange in particular where she was trying to, when she was having pierogies with Sam and Dean and sort of trying to explain how the universe came into being. And and Sam said, oh, so you mean the Big Bang? And it wasn't even a word that I said. It was just sort of a, eh. And I think that I love that moment because it just, it to me, it said, wow. Like no matter how... No matter how deep you guys dig, you humans, you know, try to dig to get a grasp on what this really is, what creation is, what God is, what being supernatural is, you're never quite going to get it because you're trying to pin it down to something very finite. And I think that that was really appropriate for Chuck Namara and, and that universe. And I think that it's sort of how we often feel, no matter what spirituality or religion we're looking at, you know, the more we try to pin it down into terms that are easy to understand the less we really get it because Mm -hmm. it's ultimately something that's just bigger than us and bigger than we can really put boundaries around. So I liked that little interaction.
1: That's awesome.
0: felt like she was always, always a step ahead of everyone,
1: (laughs) Except for Chuck. Right. (laughs) Who's yeah. I mean, and that kind of makes sense because he's writing the whole thing (laughs) anyway. So, yeah. So, um, you've done some voiceover work uh you know for a few video games and then also for uh the Netflix Castlevania series which is you know is a big favorite like on our show uh so is Last of Us 2 which you which you worked on oh, cool. you know what what was it like um I guess, how would it compare doing the voiceover work to being the character of the armorer on Mandalorian, who's, like, a big part, but, like, we don't really see you, see you. It's mostly just, like, how you use your voice to act as opposed to having, like, the tool of your face because, like, your eyes and your face convey so much information.
0: Well, it's really... I mean, when I'm doing voiceover, it might be different for anyone who's watching it and listening to it. But for me, the experience, I can't act with my voice without being in my body. So when I'm the performance experience is different, just in that I'm usually like just in a booth by myself. I might have the other people in the scene, but usually I don't. I remember that there was one particularly emotional scene that I was doing for Castlevania and Grandma Tavish was uh, on the other end of a phone like across the country or maybe even across the ocean I don't know so but I still have to act with my whole body my Mm. voice is absolutely a part of the rest of my body and I have to get into it physically I have to find the character's physicality and then that informs what my voice sounds like and similarly for the armorer it was a different challenge because I couldn't use my face to express But that meant that I had to rely on my body that much more. And it also meant that I had to be aware that because the audience can't see my face, they're looking at my body even more. And so that could be communicating something that I'm not trying to communicate. It was an interesting puzzle to work out to see what read and what didn't read. And I learned very quickly that any extraneous movements that might seem really minute if you're just uh, in your day-to-day life were magnified because you're just looking at my body. And so, for example, when crossing a room, like I couldn't glance down to see where I was going. It would look ridiculous, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it was, I I had done some math work in grad school. And so I had worked a little bit with that kind of communication. And, and, and I think I'm sure that my face was still making expressions It's just that I had to sort of feel whatever was going on through my entire body and not just rely on somebody seeing my face. To me, it's not... There's different... I'm still climbing into a character in my imagination the same way. It's just that the way that it's being communicated is different. But I still do all of the kind of investigation that I do, whether I'm doing voiceover, whether I'm doing motion capture, whether I'm doing a play on a stage or whether I'm doing television, it's still the same way in for me. It's just the recognition that the lens is a little bit different and that the audience is going to be viewing it in a different way. And so the outlet of communication, I have to think about differently.
1: So you, you've been very, very, like pivotal characters in in two mega fandoms like as Amara in Supernatural like you play a very important role, you know, especially throughout uh the season that the seasons that you're largely featured in and then the character mm-hmm. of the armor is almost like the the narrator in a lot of ways for that first season of The Mandalorian kind of moving, you know, the Mando from from task to task. What's it like participating in two such big fandoms and becoming like a a favorite on the show each show so quickly
0: i mean unreal i I, you know i (laughs) i i certainly didn't anticipate it supernatural was my first experience with a really passionate fandom and and it still feels like there's just it's like there's presence inside presence that just keep getting unwrapped and it's such a wild ride, and I, I love it. I love I love the relationship that the show has to the fans, and I think that there's no doubt that it was on as long as it was, partly because it, it listens to that to that fan base. And I saw, as soon as I, the first episode that I shot, I remember in the middle of our shooting, um, Jensen went to a convention, and he came back, and I, I had no concept of what they were like. And just in talking to him about it, I saw how much it, it meant to him and how connected he felt to the fans. And, and so that sort of lay the, the path for me to anticipate what it might be like. But the experience of actually being there is just, it's different every time, and it's always so exciting. And there's just, I think for both fandoms, there's just this beautiful, generous heart in the middle of it. And there's a lot of care that exists between the fans, amongst the fans, and seeing that is a beautiful thing, seeing these friendships that form at conventions and the way that they look out for each other. And so I'd experienced that with Supernatural. And then Star Wars was just a level beyond because, <laughs> you know, this is these are stories that we've been telling now for upwards of 40 years. So the fan base spans every single demographic. And it's something that parents can watch with their kids. And it just feels like these stories that are even more... Integrally Integrally However you say that word Even more A part of our culture And certainly a part Of my childhood So Now to be A part of that story It's still sort of unreal And uh, And it, it makes me feel like I felt when I was a little kid Like playing Ewok Adventures In my backyard Like it's just It's so much fun
1: Right. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. Like, you know, before, obviously, we reached out for this interview, we had a couple episodes talking about season one of Mandalorian, and all of us raved about, like, how awesome that character is. Because it's just... Oh, thank you. Like, just perpetual badassery from, like, beginning to end. You know, it's just... It's super, super cool. And, you know, as a... Oh, go
0: ahead. I, I, I was going to say, I didn't even have a concept of that when I was doing it because I had the script for the episodes I was in, but I really didn't know much more of the story because there was so much that was kept under wraps. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until I was watching it, and and I'm not in that many scenes, so it wasn't until I was watching it that I I, I was really kind of blown away by how important she is to his journey and how much of a mentor she is and how... I mean I feel like she sort of fills the shoes of Obi-Wan Kenobi mm-hmm. in some ways or you know some of these some of these great mentors that we've seen in these other Star Wars stories and I had no idea while I was doing it that <laughs> that's what it was going to be like.
1: It's it's awesome cuz the armor is the catalyst for like the entire second season. Like he doesn't go on the quest to return Grogu to like his people without without you telling him to do it and that's that's really awesome. <laughs> you you Pretty made cool. you made him do a thing <laughs> well, you know I know that the pandemic has made everybody's you know plans kind of weird and some people have things lined up and some people don't but as we're kind of getting close to the the end of my time, uh what are some of the things that we can look forward to from you in the future?
0: Well, I have gotten to go back to work recently on seal team, which is a, a CBS show that I did. Last season, and now I'm also in in this season. and that's been, man. I, I mean, I ne- I've never taken work for granted because uh, I've definitely gone through periods of of famine along with the feast. So it's not that i I ever took it for granted, but not being able to come together in community and create stories was really hard. And mm-hmm. so getting to go back and do that show has been such a joy. And I have, I'm working on some music and hopefully, I mean, that's been hindered a little bit in terms of trying to actually get together with the other musicians, but hopefully I'll be recording an album soon. Nice. So that's been something I've been able to focus on during this time. And it's, it's also just been a, a lot of family time, which I don't usually get because my schedule is all over the place and I'm traveling so much. I've been able to spend time with my parents and with my husband's parents and that has just been. So, I mean, I couldn't put a price on it. It's definitely been a silver lining of this whole thing
1: it's like it's like my my 9-year-old earlier you know she runs into these interviews and gets to say hello to people like you or David Ajala or yeah. somebody like that and it's it's got to be such a weird experience for her because you know she's not at school like you know she's and my dad's yeah. in the basement talking to a, a lady that was on Supernatural today you know it's <laughs> it's it's pretty awesome i'm i'm loving being at home so well uh, you know, as as we wrap up, you know, how can people find you on social media so that they can, you know, obviously keep track of when new seasons of SEAL Team come yeah. out and all that sort of stuff?
0: I I am definitely on Instagram and Twitter. I have to admit that I don't, I forget about Twitter a lot of the time, but I have fun on Instagram and my handle is uh, Biggie Swalls, which is B-I-G-E-S-W-A-L-L-Z and uh, I have a Facebook fan page, and I I do try to respond to messages and stuff. I'm not always able to keep up, but I love being able to interact with fans, and I learn so much from the fans. I mean, I learn more, especially with Star Wars. Oh, I, learn I can so imagine much more about the things that I'm in and how they connect to, you know, just every time I do an interview or talk about an episode, I learn more and more about all of the little Easter eggs that are in there and how it connects to other parts of the. Star Wars universe, so so yeah. I I I try to keep up the the messaging and stuff. Um, if people ever want to reach out, and I love I love it when people tag me when they do um, fan art and stuff like that and cosplay. It's always cool to see how people are inspired by these stories
1: that's awesome well emily thank you so much for your time like i you know i don't want don't want to use up any more of it but you know as as a 15 year fan of supernatural and i've said this to the other people that i've talked to already thank you so much for being a part of it like it it literally raised my it literally raised my oldest daughter like you know she loves horror now because of the show like it's it's awesome like thank you so much for for what you guys have done (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh, it's been such a gift to me, so thank you for saying that.
1: up there.